Hey, Hal. Hi, Z. You watch anything gay lately? Uh, no, but I did watch 2005 classic Chicken Little, which is about a young man who is trying to prove himself to his dad through feats of masculinity. Okay, but that sounds pretty gay. Welcome to Okay, But Is It Gay? It's a podcast about gay movies. Uh, This season, we're doing Okay, But That Was Gay, where we do queer readings of movies that aren't gay on purpose. Uh, We're talking about the Disney movie Chicken Little this week. Uh, You may have noticed from the intro that Dearest Autumn isn't here. She has a big girl job and is (laughs) preparing to start that soon. And so it's just me and Z today. Hi, Z. Yeah, hello. Summer is coming to an end. Everyone's Mm -hmm. schedules are a nightmare. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Autumn is starting a cool teaching job. Those University of (laughs) students better be grateful. (laughs) Yeah, uh... Taking her away from us. I, 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 I'm excited for her. Yeah. I'm excited for her. Teaching <laughs> teaching students? Actually actually pretty fun. And they're pretty good at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this, th- this week I have inflicted upon you <laughs> for, for probably the fifth time mm-hmm. the 2005 animated Disney classic Chicken Little. I'm calling it a classic. I know it only has a 5.7 on IMDb. Irrelevant. It's very good. This movie is really good. We should talk about trigger warnings before yes. everything else. Trigger warnings for childhood abuse and neglect. It's all like emotional abuse. Nobody gets hit. Promise. Uh, young children in danger. Public humiliation and public shaming. Ableism and misogyny. Did I miss something? That was the only thing. Uh... There is some, like, uh, there is physical violence, uh, because there's, like, some bullying, um, and then, this is not in the movie, uh, but there will be mentions of, uh, sexual assault, uh, in sort of the trivia. Uh Uh-oh. Um, yeah. Uh, not related to this movie, but it's... It's a journey from here to there. Okay. Um, I have I have a lot of trivia. How? Oh, also, uh, there is uh, a plotline in this movie that is going to lead us to talk about uh, lobotomies mm. and uh, the sort of institutionalization of women yes. um, in that sort of era of America. Well, I guess not just American history, but um, yeah. Uh, if if any of that is going to be bothersome to you this might be one to skip uh and if you are a child who has discovered this podcast (laughs) by simply typing the name of your favorite movie chicken little into uh your podcatcher of choice first of all uh great taste in films (laughs) second of all 
this one's probably not not for you, mm-hmm. child. <laughs> not for you, theoretical child listener. Uh, this is a movie. This is a this is a movie. It's eighty-one minutes. It is eighty-one minutes, including the credits. Mm-hmm. But I include the credits here because they have like a funky little dance sequence. Yes. Um, it's like with Mamma Mia. You got to include the credits, or you're. What are you doing? Yeah. What is the point? Yeah. Um. This is directed by uh Mark Dindal or Dindal. I'm not a hundred percent sure how to pronounce mm-hmm. it. Uh, I'm probably gonna go with with Dindal um for our purposes here. Um. He to date has uh three directing credits. The first one is, uh, I believe, a 1997 film called Cats Don't Dance. <gasps> Cats Don't Dance. Uh, Have you seen Cats Don't Dance? Yeah. Oh, my God. I haven't seen Cats Don't Dance. Um, his second one is The Emperor's New Groove. Fantastic. Uh, and his third one is this this film, Chicken Three Little. Uh, yeah, he was the um, creator and credited as a writer on a lot of episodes of The Emperor's New School, which was the... Uh, spin-off series of the Emperor's New Groove where they're all in school for some reason. <laughs> they give Cusco an inexplicable female love interest. When literally Pacha is right there. <laughs> um, yeah, but for reasons uh, we will uh, get into in a bit, he seems to have taken it easy for a while after this, uh, uh, which he he rightfully so, he deserves that. He notably was involved in Wonder Park, uh, which is a 2019 animated movie in which a girl discovers her imaginary like amusement park is like has like come to life in the woods behind her house and all of her imaginary friends are there and the amusement park is is dying uh, as she deals with like grief from her mother's cancer. Um this film notably uh, was released with no credited director because the director for most of the project was removed due to uh, sexual assault uh, allegations. Uh-oh. And additionally, I think one of the cast members was also removed from the project for separate sexual assault allegations. Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, for a very long time, uh, like most of um Mark Dindle's post 2005 IMDb entries uh that is the only thing i recognized um and then would you like to guess what his next announced project is is it another classic anglo-saxon fairy tale come to life um in many ways i would say yes <laughs> it is the Chris Pratt Garfield movie oh, coming in no. 2023. Mark, no. We were rooting for you. I I think that if anyone could, I think if anyone could, he, Mark could. I I still believe in Mark. <laughs> uh, he also has two uh two other films further out um I think one's supposed to come out in like 2025 and what have you. Uh, but yeah, it's, it seems like he's getting back in back in the saddle uh, after after taking quite a bit of a break. Um, well, good for him. This movie 
this movie has five credited writers. Uh, Mark Dindle and Mark Kennedy are credited for the story. And then Steve Benchich, Ron Friedman, and Ron Anderson are all credited with the screenplay. Mm -hmm. How, when I say this movie has five credited writers, what does that, what does that mean to you? Uh, it, I, feel like it means maybe some of them were removed during production that maybe this movie has a bit of a troubled past that we're not aware of uh i i don't know that anyone was removed from this i guess that film. happens more often with directors than writers right um this movie was uh rewritten a lot uh-huh. this movie had a very troubled development there is a really good collider article that talks to uh some of the principal creatives mark dindle um randy fulmer who's the producer um and like the fact that these principal creatives managed to make this film at all is like something of a miracle um i will not get into like the full details of it uh but I will uh, make you link that <laughs> article in the show notes because it's a really good read. I can do that. Um, yeah, at one point there was like uh, an out and out like alien invasion. At one point there was this like blue ribbon animals at like the county fair element. Um, there was a, a point where this story had wolves uh, literally dressing up as sheep to try to eat the main characters. Um, all that said, I like basically the, the, the reason I bring all of this up uh-huh. is that uh, a huge part of the original version of chicken little, the original like vision of this movie, the first version of this movie that they started making that got all the way to like test screenings for like Disney executives mm-hmm. Um, at its core, this like original cut of Chicken Little was about a young female chicken trying to relate to her father. And it was based to some extent, I'm not exactly clear, um, but it was based to some extent on Mark Dindle's relationship with his two young daughters. This was a, this was a movie, uh, that a dad wanted to make about, raising his daughters and then due to interference from both michael eisner who was then ceo of disney all my homies hate mike eisner all my homies hate mike eisner uh and then david stainton who um took over as the head of disney feature animation the film was rewritten overhauled chicken little was made into a male chicken uh this like original um plot that involved this young female chicken with anxiety going to a summer camp in order to like improve her social skills and then realizing that all of the sheep who were counselors at the summer camp had been killed by wolves (laughs) who had then put on the sheep clothes Mm -hmm. Uh, like you do in order to 
fatten up all of the campers in order to have a big feast at the end of camp. Uh, all of that had to be scrapped. And we ended up with the film that we have now. The problem uh, with this information is that the movie that they ended up making is very good. But also, that sounds sick. <laughs> that movie sounds sick as shit. I, I would love to just if i had infinite money i would just say hey mark hey <laughs> hey here's infinite money why don't, why don't you just remake that original cut of chicken little and we'll set it in space and they'll all be aliens instead of like earth animals and we'll call it schmicken <laughs> chicken uh, little is a, is a public domain character you think uh, surely i i think because of this movie disney would have a reasonable amount like they might be able to make a copyright claim mm. uh anyway disgusting yeah i i like i bring this all up not to say that like this trans reading of Chicken Little that we're doing is like in some way anchored in the fact that the character was like originally supposed to be a young girl um, or anything like that. They they did trans that chicken's gender. They did trans that chicken's gender. Um, but we're also going to spend a lot of time talking about this movie. And I think it's worth like throwing out there just like the principal creatives on this uh got screwed over by Disney a bunch mm-hmm. and then still ended up still made a fucking banger still made a a fucking banger i put this movie i genuinely put this movie on all the time it is like when i when i told my boyfriend like oh yeah i've got to watch chicken little and take notes he was like do you <laughs> like <laughs> you watch this movie so often i don't i don't understand <laughs> um That's so- Hi, Justin. Uh, he's actually, for once, not watching me record from the living room. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, I don't think there's any sort of, like, essentialist argument to be made that, like, oh, the chicken was originally a woman, and so some essential, like, girlness of the chicken came through in the final <laughs> script. Um, I think it's more... Right, we're we're both coming to this as queer people who I think, in my case at least, very much sees myself in this story of like, mm-hmm. you know, you have value, be unique, define norms, stand up for yourself. Uh, but no, not like that. Your dad. Um, yeah. I uh, and then also like the way the character Chicken Little dresses is just <laughs> I have known like. I've known three to six trans men who just also have this aesthetic. And then uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on before we kind of get into the episode proper uh, is is the idea of children's media. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we are both people who are very interested in and care very deeply about children's media. Literally a YA author. Literally, you are a YA author. Uh, you wrote your your whole thesis <laughs> uh, is a YA novel, and 
we talk all the time about like the cartoons that were very influential on us as children mm-hmm. uh, and sort of our childhoods consuming children's media and revisiting that media as uh, adults and thinking about it more critically, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that something that is worth throwing out there as we, you know, go into, you know, potentially like a five hour discussion of this, uh, 81 minute children's movie (laughs) is that like the media that we show to children matters, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that media, like children understand media. Yes. They're the way they understand it and what matters to them is very different than the way that adults understand media and what matters to adults in media. Mm-hmm. But children are able to watch movies and pick up on themes and understand the the messages being presented to them. Yeah. And uh, in that regard, I, 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 I think this movie is a real winner. <laughs> I, I think, I genuinely think this is a movie that has one, a good message for children and two, a like uh, commiserate and compatible message for the adults who are taking those children to see this movie. Yes. And ideally your like perfect family entertainment film has both of those things is like aware that it has two separate audiences and is treating both of them seriously as audiences. Yeah. And I think this movie does that in a couple of ways, uh, right? It has like a bunch of references and jokes that are very much aimed at an adult audience. Um, but it also uh, like has, has these sort of parallel messages. Mm-hmm. Um, like one, if you're a child, talk to your parents and be honest with your parents, especially when they do things that upset you. And then the commiserate message for parents is listen to your children when they talk. Yeah. <laughs> Just sort of point blank at all. And also like Buck Cluck, Chicken Little's dad, isn't is an antagonistic force for most of the movie, but isn't a out and out villain. And so doesn't alienate that part of the audience. Like my mom watching movies with bad moms in them with my mom is so impossible because she will just fixate on like the poor representation of momness in this movie. Yeah, and uh my mom and I have a similar thing with Gilmore Girls where um we were talking about Gilmore Girls and my mom said something that was like very pro Emily Gilmore yeah. and I just had to like sit there and be like esther esther explain yourself (laughs) because there's a whole other mom in in that show that she could identify with there's a whole there is a whole lorelei gilmore and she chose emily and i mean like we you know we talked about it and like i see where she's coming from and uh yeah I, i think part of the reason this movie resonates so much with me is that like I, obviously not to the same dramatic extents or anything, but, like, I don't know. I I have had a sometimes troubled relationship with my parents, especially around, you know, communicating my emotions. Um, 
and have had to like do work in that regard and we like now have this like much better much healthier relationship um and i i don't know i think that's is just part of why this movie i is sticks with me so much uh even though it is almost impossible for me to remember any detail about this movie (laughs) yeah and then uh last thing i know i've said that like four times Mm -hmm. Uh, last thing before we get into the movie as as sort of a whole, um, the cast for this film is, is it is wild. Joan Cusack is here. Joan Cusack is like the the deuteragonist. She is uh she plays Abby Mallard, who is Chicken Little's best friend. But yeah, we have Zach Braff as Chicken Little. Uh, originally, uh, when Chicken Little was, um, a girl, uh, she was voiced by Holly Hunter, um, and she recorded literally all of her lines before, uh, Mike Eisner decided that it should be a man. Fucked up. Gary Marshall is Buck Cluck, Don Knotts, uh, Patrick Stewart, Amy Sedaris, Joan Cusack, Wallace Shawn, uh, Fred Willard, Catherine O'Hara, Patrick Warburton, Adam West, Dan Molina. Oh, wait, no, that's... No, Dan Molina as Fish Out of Water. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dan Molina, yes, Dan Molina is the editor. Uh, he voices Fish Out of Water. Mark Dindle, the uh, director, voiced Morcubine, Porcupine, and the coach. It's it's a it's a truly bizarre. There are three voice actors for the baby alien. <laughs> also, there are aliens in this movie. By yes. the way, um, this is a movie about an alien invasion. For at least one act. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are also a, a whole bunch of impressive like technical details about the making of this movie. This is Disney's first completely three D animated film sans Pixar. Yes. And so in a lot of ways, it is also a tech demo. Yeah. Uh, they built a digital tool called Chicken Wire to allow them to, like, uh, do a lot of, like, smears and stretches and stuff that you would get with, like, traditional 2D animation. Mm-hmm. Um, they also built a program that allowed them to, uh, like, see the whole character model on screen while still, like, messing with it and like focusing in on individual parts and yeah it's 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 a very technically impressive movie uh in addition to being just like a miracle that it ever got made and uh a really like heartwarming tale of children being right (laughs) i have a little synopsis uh written up yes so we open uh, with Trouble coming to the town of Oaky Oaks as Chicken Little rings the school bell to warn the town that the sky is falling. The townsfolk panic in a sequence full of sight gags and references. When Chicken Little is pressed, he cannot find the piece of sky that is supposed to have hit him on the head, and his father, Buck Cluck, is more concerned with keeping up appearances than supporting his child, and he convinces the townsfolk that it was merely an acorn. Sometime later, Chicken Little is returning to school and tries to tell Buck about his plan to get people to like him again, while Buck tries to persuade Chicken Little to just lay low and hope the whole thing blows over. In the title sequence, we learn that Chicken Little is inventive, resourceful, skilled at adapting to a world that is not built for him. Mm -hmm. 
over the course of the school day, we meet Chicken Little's friends, uh, Abby Mallard, who is supposed to be like the ugly duckling, runt of the litter, fish out of water, other, you know, sort of stock characters. Henny Penny, Foxy Loxy. We learn that Abby's sort of driving motivation for this movie is that she wants Chicken Little to have an honest conversation with Buck about feeling unsupported. Uh, Foxy Loxy and Goosey Lucy then bully the group, which leads to Chicken Little accidentally pulling the fire alarm. Buck picks up Chicken Little from the principal's office, and on the ride home, Chicken Little tells his dad that he's trying out for the baseball team. In the ensuing montage, Chicken Little trains with the help of his friends, and despite making the team, is never fielded or allowed to bat until the final game, which he wins. At home, Buck expresses his pride in Chicken Little, and they paper over the whole Sky is Falling incident. While Chicken Little is sitting in his window, he is struck on the head by a piece of falling sky, which turns out to be a piece of an alien cloaking device. He calls his friends over to help, leading to Fish getting accidentally abducted by aliens. In the process of rescuing Fish, the group wakes up an alien child who wanders off, and they also discover what they believe are plans for the destruction of Earth. The aliens chase the friends off the ship, and Chicken Little must once again ring the school bell to alert the town of the alien threat. When the townsfolk arrive, the aliens are gone, leading Buck to once again go into damage control. The next day, the friends discover Kirby, the alien child, who has been left behind. They promise to help reunite him with his parents mere moments before the aliens, having realized Kirby is missing, launch a full-scale invasion. Buck refuses to Chicken Little's explanation of events, and Chicken Little runs away to help Kirby. After an action sequence, Chicken Little, Buck, Kirby, and Abby all end up in the town theater, where Chicken Little confronts Buck about feeling unsupported. Buck apologizes to Chicken Little and promises to support him, at which point Kirby is revealed and the two hatch a plan to get Kirby back to the aliens. Also, Chicken Little kisses Abby for no reason and she spends the rest of the film in a stupor. Fucked up. The climactic action sequence ends with Buck, Chicken Little, and Kirby zapped aboard the alien ship, where Kirby convinces his parents that the whole thing was a big misunderstanding. The aliens repair the damage to the town, explain that they stop in Oaky Oaks to collect acorns every year, and that one of the cloaking panels of their ship is always falling off. The townsfolk conclude that the panel must have been what prompted the initial The Sky is Falling incident. One year later, the town is watching a film loosely based on Chicken Little's life. <laughs> he and Abby hold hands, then both films end with the townsfolk cheering for Chicken Little. There's an extended credit sequence set to Don't Go Break in My Heart. There sure fucking is. There sure fucking is. It's great. It's so good. I love it when characters sing in movies the way that, like, just people sing. Like, there's also, after the baseball game, Chicken Little was supposed to meet up with Abby and Runt and Fish to do karaoke, and we just get a bit of Abby and Runt singing uh spice girls and it's so good and full of joy yeah there's also a bit where uh chicken little is like uh singing we are the champions into a spoon on while like dancing on his bed Mm -hmm. um and it's like really bad but it's also (laughs) auto-tuned yeah this is like uh there's a, a later point during uh the alien invasion where runt is uh driving a fire truck while like scream singing gloria gainers i will survive Mm -hmm. uh it's it's phenomenal this is this is a movie that uh 
saw the success of Shrek and was like, oh, well, we can do that soundtrack thing. <laughs> uh, and then did. I would argue that they did it successfully. Yeah, ev- every soundtrack should have at least one Bare Naked Lady song on it. I, the, so, the title sequence. Yes. Uh, and this this is one of the first things that I want to cover because um, we have already recorded, but it will, if you are listening, it will come out after this episode, uh, an episode on the film For a Good Time Call. Mm-hmm. And in that episode, I complain a lot about the title sequence because it's basically just B-roll of New York City. In a movie that is not about New York as like an entity or a character. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like Sex in the City where the city is the fifth um, woman. I guess <laughs> the fifth sexy lady. For a good time, call could take place literally anywhere, mm-hmm. and the title sequence is just B roll of New York City. Here we get a sequence of Chicken Little. He misses the school bus and has to make it to school. And in it, we learn that he is inventive. Uh, he is uh, like surprisingly agile um, and he's very good at like adapting to a world mm-hmm. that is not built for him. Yes. He is very, very small <clears throat> and this world seems to be built for like dog sized creatures. Yeah. People, people who are about three times as tall as him. But no more than that, because Rent has the same problem in the opposite direction. Oh, oh, how? Oh, how? Yes. I literally have a whole point in my notes <laughs> uh, that talks about uh, doing like a whole disability reading of this film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Chicken Little, he's adaptive. He's like quick thinking. Uh, he's very good at um, functioning in a world that is not built for him. This title sequence, which is set to the Bare Naked Ladies' One Little Slip, which was written for this movie. Perfect, amazing, beautiful. Absolutely rips. It is It is genuinely just a song that I have on playlists. Um, it is also very funny because all of the promotional material for this, uh, for this movie on the Disney Channel, they weren't allowed to say Bare Naked Ladies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just referred to them as B&L the whole time. Yes. And I was like, I don't know who B&L is. This song is by the Bare Naked Ladies. Why are they lying? <laughs> the, um, the WB had a special Saturday block one time that was supposed to be called Naked Day. And it was going to feature the, the Bare Naked Ladies and like their favorite episodes of various like WB cartoons and it was going to be a whole thing. And at the last minute they changed it to BNL day instead of naked day. (laughs) That is so, so good. What were you saying? Sorry. The title sequence rips the music in this movie whips. It's, it's genuinely very well done, Mm -hmm. right? Like there are, I think there are, it's fair to say that there are a lot of movies where it's like, and this is where the pop song comes in. And I don't think this movie is one of those. Yeah, it's first of all, no, they're just very well incorporated. Yeah, and and it's not strictly like, oh, what's popular in two thousand four as we're making this movie. It's like there's Gloria Gaynor, there's Elton John. It's like classic songs that are uh, much more resistant to becoming outdated. Mm-hmm. I just like this movie. <laughs> I'm going to say that about 600 more times. It's good. 
Yeah, I I, th- I think let's let's talk about disability. Yes. So I I have in my notes in all caps, I refuse to do a paranoid reading of this film. Um and I think I put that there because there is absolutely uh like a reading of this film that is like oh runt of the litter just exists for them to make fat jokes chicken little just exists for them to make short jokes yes abby mallard just exists for them to make jokes about women who are unconventionally attractive yeah uh making jokes about ugliness or about femininity or whatever um and i think that that is uh That is not an invalid reading by any means. Yeah, that's a position that you could take. It was 2005. Mm -hmm. Right, there there certainly are parts, uh, like bits starring Runt that are just fat jokes. But I think there's a lot more... um, There's a lot more to a reading where you're looking not at how, um, like, Runt is made fun of but just like how he physically doesn't fit into the world yes and like it's almost never runt is too big it's more about the things that he is interacting with are too small and he has not been accommodated in a way that perhaps he should yeah the first time we see him um he is like squeezed into uh one of those desks where like the desk is attached to the chair Mm -hmm. Um, which I don't fit in, <laughs> uh, just as a person with really long legs. Mm-hmm. Um, and right, there's like this sort of bit where he drops a pencil and he goes to pick it up and like the entire desk moves with him. Um, when they're escaping from the alien spaceship, the like aperture is too small for him to fit through. And I think similarly, there are a lot of jokes where chicken little is too small Mm -hmm. right he he has a top locker and so has to like have a a whole system of like pulleys to like get himself up there which like just give this man a a bottom locker what do you just give him a bottom locker he like has to like create like a little um oh i can't remember what they're called but he has to like scale the like um post in order to press the button Mm -hmm. to change the walk signal Mm -hmm. it it creates this whole like belay system in order to allow himself to do that yeah there's just like a lot of really good details like that like runt is put into gym class with everyone else and they play dodgeball and runt just by virtue of being very large is just not able to play dodgeball he's not able to have any fun Mm -hmm. and um i don't know i just i think for a movie that is about not feeling seen and feeling unsupported yes do reading you know runt and chicken little as right sort of allegorically disabled i think is a much uh is a much more interesting reading at the very least Mm -hmm. i also this is just a thing that i do a lot but i also read all four of like chicken little and his friend group as autistic and 
Yes. This movie is fundamentally about someone being misunderstood and, like, things are assumed about a situation that he is describing that are not true. And that is a universal autistic experience of, like, you... A lot of autistic folks will, like, over-explain themselves as, like, a coping mechanism for the idea that if I do not present every single detail of this story in, like, as true and as, like, detailed a way as possible, then I will be uh, misunderstood and therefore, like, people will assume things about me that are not true or they will not understand what I am trying to convey. And that's just what's happening in this movie. He, Chicken Little is also frequently spoken over. He's frequently spoken for Mm -hmm. in like a really like patronizing way that I, I I think is uh, very common for children with, you know, autism. Uh, The um, like runt in particular, like runt, has special interests Mm -hmm. runt is really like struggles with social cues and struggles to like uh read people's faces abby is like so in not i don't want to say like entirely consumed but abby is like very much fixated on ways to like learning how to communicate Mm -hmm. healthily and like um in a way that means she will be understood and in a very like prescriptive way she's like reading these magazines and she's like oh okay so there are rules and if we follow the rules everything will be fine we just have to do the rules i don't understand why everyone else isn't doing the rules yeah and then and then fish of course is just like literally doing his own thing the entire movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's a lot of like like, a lot of what he's Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of what he's doing is like references to old movies and stuff he's he's shown to be like incredibly adept at like one or two hobbies he's like really really enthusiastic about uh cheering on the okioks acorns the the baseball team Mm -hmm. yeah I, i i don't know i think this also plays into a reading where Right, what Chicken Little is trying to do for the entire, basically the entire movie, is gain Buck's approval in a within a normative framework. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, he is trying to be good at sports. He is trying to, uh, you know, perform masculinity. He's trying to not to stir the pot, but to like pursue these. Uh, acceptable and uh, you might say like acceptable and like condoned forms of like gaining approval or acceptance or whatever. Mm -hmm. Whereas you see like Fish is absolutely happy like existing outside of the system doing his own thing. Uh, Abby and Runt find ways to play roles within these systems that are not like right uh i'm thinking specifically here at the baseball scene where like runt and abby are like working the scoreboard mm-hmm. and having a great time uh and fish is all like dressed up in or i guess he's all painted up 
in like the school colors and he's like being a hype man um hype fish and then hype fish <laughs> uh yes my bad and then uh chicken little is like no i must i must do baseball i must be good at baseball uh, this is the one father, big su- sweeping solution to literally all of my problems. Yes. My father was good at baseball and he was popular. So if I am good at baseball, I will be popular. And it, it I mean, it works briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he wins the baseball game and I he, his father loves him. The townsfolk. Yeah, it's literally Buck who says the whole skies falling incident is behind us now. Mm-hmm. And as Chicken Little is at his most triumphant... The sky falls. Yes, he is once again brought low by the sky falling. What's up? If I had a nickel for every time that a piece of alien cloaking technology fell out of the sky and hit me on the head, I would have two nickels. Which isn't a lot, lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. Yeah, Chicken Little is hit on the head once again by a piece of the sky... Which is is revealed to be like this alien cloaking device that mimics the, th- the it mimics what is like around and behind it, and that is why it, di- it appeared to have disappeared once it hit Chicken Little on the head the first time because it was just blending into the grass around the tree where he was sitting. Yeah, I cannot stress enough how much this alien turn comes out of left. <laughs> it is like fully not there. Uh, and then fish gets abducted by aliens. Mm-hmm. But it, I feel like it works. Like, it's fun. It, like, movies can do genre shifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one does so very successfully. And importantly, like, it remains just a movie about your dad. Like, it remains mm-hmm. about Chicken Little's relationship with his dad. And then later it is Kirby's relationship with his parents. And that's the key, I think, is to, like, stick... Shift genres all you want, stick with the same theme the whole time, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and I, th- I think importantly, like, this movie shifts between two, like, very related genres. Mm-hmm. It shifts between, like, uh, kind of an 80s John Hughes, like, teenage high school movie. Yes. To an 80s sci-fi, uh, like, teen adventure movie. Right, we get like all of these classic hallmarks of like the adults don't believe the kids mm-hmm. and uh, the kids have to save the day and et cetera, et cetera. All the while still being, like you said, about uh, Chicken Little and Buck's relationship. Mm-hmm. This is something that I used to do with my students a lot when I was teaching comp. I would like show them a, a piece of fiction and I would say, okay, what is this about? And then they would like describe what happens. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. You're describing the plot or, like, the things that happen in this story. What is this story about? What is it concerned with? And this movie is fundamentally concerned with how parents treat their children and how those children react to that treatment. Yeah, like, the the theme of this movie is that children are people mm-hmm. and should be treated as such. And uh, I think, you know, it does that so successfully despite all of these like uh all of these trappings um or even because of them in some instances like oh for sure kirby's parents getting introduced gives buck an example 
of, like, the thing that he should be doing. Like, every dad should be willing to simply invade the earth if his child went missing. As we start to move towards, like, the particular trans reading of this film, Mm -hmm. I do want to stop for a minute and talk about, like, gender in this movie. Yes. Um, Because I think, right, this is very much a movie about masculinity in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um... You know, it's it's about Chicken Little trying to gain his father's approval through traditionally masculine ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, Abby sort of as the only uh, like female character in sort of the main cast mm-hmm. uh, is the one who is constantly pushing for like, no, you need to talk about your feelings. Um and, you know, she's the one who has, like, modern Mallard and the duck equivalent of Cosmo mm-hmm. and um, all of these, all of these magazines that are talking about, talking about your feelings. Um, and in the dodgeball scene, there is a point where she's trying to get Runt to back her up and Runt is just like... T- wishy-washy won't commit to anything uh relatable (laughs) big mood um will just say whatever to make people happy or enraged as the case may be (laughs) but um abby says something to the effect of dumb boys uh it i guess it's only girls that have the emotional maturity to deal with things like this uh, and then she immediately gets hit in the face by a dodgeball thrown by Foxy Loxy. Mm-hmm. Um, who is like, in the um, like original fairy tale and everything, Foxy Loxy is just straight up the adversary. Mm-hmm. Like, the original... A fox in amongst, like, barnyard animals always going to be the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, I think he, he like convinces them all to run into his cave and then eats them all. Um, and here Foxy Loxy is, is like uh, school bully. Yeah. She is a school bully. Uh, she is the star of the baseball team. Uh, until, uh, chicken little sort of steals her thunder in the final game. Uh, this is why, great man history is flawed Mm. uh and we meet uh yeah we meet foxy loxy the first time during the title sequence when she's uh dumping acorns on chicken little from the bus Mm -hmm. uh and for the second time uh in mutton class where she is um bullying abby mallard for being the ugly duckling um and then in Dodgeball, uh, we meet her, you know, by w- when she throws a dodgeball at Abby's face immediately after Abby says, I guess only girls are emotionally mature enough to handle this kind of thing. Yeah. And I, I think what I am getting at here is like, this is a film that is very concerned with masculinity, but is much less concerned with gender Mm -hmm. uh like abby is like obsessed with these beauty magazines but 
is never seen like tweezing or plucking or putting on makeup or anything. She reads them for the articles. She literally reads them for the articles. She, they they are crucial to the actual climax of this movie, which is, uh, you know, when Chicken Little uh, finally, you know, confronts Buck about his bad parenting, uh, like, none of that would have happened if not for Abby's interest in, you know, these, like, girly magazines or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and I guess on the whole, my point here is that, like, for 2005... Uh, for a 2005 film about masculinity, this is not a film that's interested in really like uh, perpetuating or enforcing gender roles. Mm-hmm. Um, Despite like fumbling it in the third act with Abby quite a bit. Uh, yeah, and, I, I think, and also I think, Foxy Loxy. Yeah, so so the two big sort of asterisks to this this point that I'm making here. Uh, Abby, Abby Mallard, mm-hmm. having fulfilled her narrative usefulness, uh, or I shouldn't say her narrative usefulness, but like the, the, the sort of her goal in this movie is to get Chicken Little and Buck to have it like an honest conversation. Having achieved that goal, someone in the process was like, well, what do we do with her now? And instead of being like, well, she would, she should do the thing that Fish and Runt are doing in the last sequence, which is supporting uh, Buck and Chicken Little during the big action climax. Instead of doing that, they were like, well, what if we fundamentally remove her from the narrative by making her go into a like doe-eyed stupor over her best friend kissing her for the first time? What if that? Yeah completely out of left field uh or maybe just complete completely out of left field to me because i'm a homosexual they have that one moment in gym class where uh like one of them makes an offhand comment about the other being cute and they're both like what 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 oh yeah because you can't you can't list your homies positive attributes unless you're in love with yes them. obviously um this is this is I, I can't stop thinking about for a good time call, <laughs> even though even though the episode isn't out yet. Uh, there is oh, a plot critical you. scene in for a good time call where the two main characters stare into each other each other's eyes mm-hmm. and list all of their positive attributes, mm-hmm. and it's great. It's so good, uh, and then that movie has its own problems. <laughs> um, in this film, Abby and Chicken Little are like talking to each other, and uh, Chicken Little starts to list Abby's positive uh, traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe it's the other way around. My notes are unclear. Because Chicken Little is being like self deprecating. This is how I remember it Chicken Little is being self deprecating, and then Abby is like, no, 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 no. You are this, this, and this. Yeah, my notes say uh, that Chicken Little's plan is basically to be successful on a very normative model. Abby is like, you don't need to be successful on a normative model. You need to talk to your dad. Mm -hmm. Chicken Little says, I got to do something great so my dad doesn't think I'm a loser. Red flag. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I guess this would be Abby listing Chicken Little's positive traits. Uh, 
to which I have written, you can only list someone's positive traits if you're in love with them. Obviously. That's how you know. This is how you know that I'm in love with literally everyone I've ever met, because I love to list people's positive traits. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, it, it just it culminates in this very weird the chicken line, little kisses Abby. Yeah, the line that he has is fun. Like, he's on riding this high of having stood up to his dad for the first time at that going well. Crucially, he stands up to his dad and his dad listens to him and is like, you're right, I'm going to be better. And riding that adrenaline high, he, like, walks up to Abby and is like, I'd also like to say that I've just found you, I've always found you extremely attractive. They kiss. And then Abby goes all doe-eyed and, like, hearts fly around her head. And she stays like that for the rest of the movie. It would have been so easy for her to go all doe-eyed for a second and then like snap herself out of it and be like okay no we have to focus on the problem because that's the thing that she's like trying to do in this sequence like the thing that prompts chicken little to confront his dad is she says you guys have to stop fighting and focus on the solution to the problem or something to that effect and yeah and she means we have to deal with the alien invasion but chicken little is like we will never be able to focus on the alien invasion. If I'm constantly thinking we... about how my dad isn't there for me. Yeah, then Abby... And it would have been easy for her to then refocus herself and, like, focus on the problem. And then we get the hand-holdy sequence at the end, which is genuinely very cute. And then we don't... Uh, it's genuinely very cute, yeah. but it is a full year later. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's, it's shot in that, like, classic style of, like, they're both reaching for the popcorn bucket uh, and like their hands bump and then they just like straight up hold hands. Um, and it doesn't make any sense <laughs> because a full year ago they had a big smooch and professed their whole love. <laughs> Anyhow. Justice for Abby Mallard is uh, what my point is. Yes. Uh And the other sort of, I guess, caveat to this kind of, you know, feminist or like uh, gender agnostic reading of this text, Mm -hmm. uh, can't say gender critical because the TERFs ruined that Mm -hmm. one, uh, is that, is is Foxy Loxy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So for the entire movie, Foxy Loxy is kind of like a tomboy-ish character she's wearing overalls she's got her hair in pigtails she plays baseball she's good at gym class she's she's she is the baseball star Mm -hmm. uh yeah she's kind of a mix of like uh regina george from mean girls and the jock from every yes high school sports movie um i guess you could say like regina george and troy bolton uh (laughs) And um, she, it, when the aliens invade, uh, the their method for f- trying to find the alien child is to like vaporize and like deconstitute everything around them, including people, and they like transport them into some sort of nothing space in their 
uh, in their spaceship for like storage purposes just to get them out of the way. They're like, I'm trying to find a very small person in this sea of bullshit. You guys need to get out of my way. And uh, Foxy Loxie gets deconstituted. And it, during... Well, Foxy Loxie is the first person that we see fighting back. Yes. Uh, a... Uh, it, it's worth noting here, the aliens, they're in these little, like, uh, egg-shaped, I Walker guess, like... guys. Yeah, with, like, these these weird tentacles. They look like uh, a reference to War of the Worlds. Yes. And so their whole uh, vaporizing everyone and everything in their way is also a reference to War of the Worlds. Yes. Um, and, like, the twist is and- that it's not as sinister as it appears. Yeah, they're not actually murdering anybody. That's the whole thing. Um, the whole thing with the aliens is that they are not as sinister as they appear. And I think that maybe ties into this idea of looking at parenting from a child's perspective. Like, Butt Cluck is not actually being actively malicious to his son, but he is doing something that is doing damage. He is doing something that looks like it is actively malicious from specific viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah, you you can cause harm without being evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, but yeah. So Foxy Loxy is the first one to fight back. She throws a rock at one of the um, at one of these little alien walkers, and uh, the alien then turns around and vaporizes her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at the end of the movie, when she gets unvaporized. She is like the girliest girl uh, to ever you know, girl a girl. To ever girl. She's wearing makeup. She has a little parasol. She's uh, just like a southern belle. Yeah. Um, she has a southern accent all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um and it it's very hard to read this as not a lobotomy. Yeah. And the aliens are like, oh, that wasn't supposed to happen. We can put her back the way that she was. And the character assassination of Runt of the Litter, he's like, no, she's perfect now. Leave her the way she is. Gross. First of all, Runt is not heterosexual. No. Um, And the implication that he is is truly offensive to my very soul. The additional, like, yes, we have this female character who acts in gender non-conforming ways, uh, who is, like, aggressive and, uh, you know, like, mean, but not a mean girl. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, she's not, like, catty in the way you might expect. She's just an out-and-out bully. Mm -hmm. Um, And then her brainwaves get scrambled, and she's suddenly, like, very, very traditionally feminine. Uh, and is liked more because of it is, is gross. It's gross. And it's so easily, again, very easy for her to get reconstituted and then just be like, wow, I'm not going to pick on you guys anymore because you saved the day. And like that would could have been yeah. it. Or this this could happen to like uh, Morcubine Porcupine and he gets reconstituted and he's like, oh, wow, I can actually speak now as opposed to the three words I have said this whole movie, uh, which are yo, no, and whoa, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, 
or it could happen to to goosey lucy and they're like oh yeah her brainwaves got all scrambled uh and she can talk now and then goosey lucy just continues to go honk because she's a goose (laughs) like there are so many ways to make a oh their brainwaves got scrambled joke without lobotomizing anyone without lobotomizing anyone cannot stress enough how much i like this movie and i'm only being so critical of it because it's otherwise so good this is literally the same thing we were talking about last week with sky high i love that movie so much and i wish that it was better and it makes me mad that it's not better yeah i um i was listening to that episode and every single time y'all brought something up i was like yeah this could be better (laughs) this should this should this should do that (laughs) they should uh and then i was specifically when we started talking about up up and or when y'all started talking about up up in a way i was like what if the whole reason that royal pain is interested in will is not to get the pacifier but to figure out what his dad's kryptonite it anyway Mm -hmm. um not to talk about a whole different movie. <laughs> Go listen to the Sky High episode if you haven't. It's Go listen good. to the Sky High episode. It's it's very good. Um, so yeah, the last kind of thing that I wanted to talk about is like a a specifically queer reading of this film. Yes. Um, because as we you know as we've already joked about, like Chicken Little is trans. Mm-hmm. Um, the ways in which transgender people feel compelled to over perform their like actual gender as a way to like compensate for the fact like almost compensate for the fact that they are trans in addition to right the way that some trans people feel compelled to perform especially young trans uh, folks i feel yeah yeah I, i also think there's something here about like the way that I, as a, a wee child, just, like, didn't get masculinity uh, or, like, maleness, and w- but was like, well, I could always go out for the sports team, mm-hmm. despite hating sports <laughs> and hating physical activity. Like, uh, just the way that masculinity and compulsory heterosexuality like compel you as a child especially as a queer child Mm -hmm. uh when in like in ways you don't even aren't even aware of uh and like even to this day i will occasionally look back on my childhood and be like huh so that's what that was (laughs) and also the ways in which like autistic kids tend to like D. What am I saying? De- decontextualize like what gender is because it's a social construct and we don't get that shit. <laughs> and so it's really easy to just sort of it's easier to look at gender as like a thing separate from personhood because then it's easier to like analyze and understand and implement yeah, I think uh like this this separation of of gender into like 
these very very clear ideas of like roles to be performed Mm -hmm. and i know i've said it about like a hundred times but like a huge part of this movie is chicken little trying to find success on a normative model Mm -hmm. and that then not working um for for him or for really anyone in the movie um and yeah i don't know i just i think i for instance am uh like a known marriage hater uh like the i I, i've said it very often uh probably on this podcast probably on this podcast the only reason to get married is to uh defraud the u.s government um or your government of choice uh but uh, I, I think, like, watching a film in which a child who does not fit a traditional mold of masculinity has to find success in life in uh, ways that do not conform to normative expectations it, uh, really resonated with me for some reason. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I'm, I'm not like a like a no futurist queer or like a gay normalcy is like bad for society queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and like no shade to those people. Uh, that's just not where where I'm at. Um, but I, at the same time, I am someone who. Uh, has kind of had to uh, look outside of the normative for uh, my uh, happiness and for my success mm-hmm. and and what have you. And like in a lot of ways, that is the journey of Chicken Little in this movie, right? Like mm-hmm. Abby's right. You can't just sports your way into your dad like being proud of you you have to communicate that you don't feel like he is proud of you god i'm gonna go watch this movie (laughs) everybody go watch chicken little 2005 it's very good genuinely if you have not seen this movie it is 81 minutes including the credits like it's a it's a it's a good way to spend 81 minutes mm-hmm. of your life. Uh I I think I think it is something that would be a lot of fun. It makes a great uh a, a great movie for like a getting all the friends together and and getting drunk type movie night. Yes. Uh our friend Sophie just spent the entire movie talking about Foxy Loxy's mouse. <laughs> Uh, which is fair. It's a weird mouth. Yeah, she is rendered in and, a way and, that makes her weird to look at. Yeah, and after her lobotomy, her mouth literally changes sizes. Yeah. Fucked up. It's... Uh, ugh. Um, I hate that for her. Yeah. I, I, I simply cannot recommend this movie highly enough. Uh, if you are a... Uh, uh, and, and young queer who... <laughs> oh, I remember what I was going to say earlier. Okay. Um, you were talking about uh, performing 
right a lot of trans people feel the need to overperform masculinity or femininity yes to like prove you know that they're actually a woman uh or actually a man i'm making ridiculous faces as i say these things <laughs> so that you know i'm being facetious on this uh audio medium um but i i think there's also a tendency among uh trans people who have not realized they are trans mm-hmm. to overperform their assigned gender at birth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that is something that I, I also see uh, in, in Chicken Little. Uh, and the fact that the way for him to find happiness is to be emotionally honest with those around him and live as his authentic self uh sure does make me think things and feel feelings (laughs) that's trans of gender that's trans of gender of chicken of little (laughs) okay i'm gonna i'm gonna zip through this uh review by roger ebert and see if there are any gems for us to end on this is this is a preview of Next, once again, a preview of next week where you will hear Z once again talk about a Roger Ebert uh, review. In a salute to the original British children's story, the film has a turkey lurkey, he's the mayor, mm-hmm. a he's foxy loxy, Don fucking knots, dog. Uh, a foxy loxy, she's foxy all right, but not very nice. That is a child. Ooh. Mr. Ebert, that is a child. Sir. And even, oh, Goosey Lucy is voiced by a man. Mm. Oh, I hate it. I hate it when female characters are uh, made masculine in order to be threatening. Mm. This movie is cinema. I don't know what his problem is. Fish out of water, who wears a diver's helmet filled not with air, but with water and is not voiced because he doesn't talk and you couldn't hear him anyway. That's just not true. Mm -hmm. This character is voiced. He is credited. He's voiced by legendary voice actor Dan Molina. The editor of this film. Uh, run to the litter who is so fat he can hardly see his stomach, let alone his feet. Mm. Didn't Steven Spielberg... Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds came out the same year. Did it? So, yeah, it would have been impossible for the aliens to actually be based on... Mm. But they're, they're illustrated that way in, like, the book. Okay, I have found okay. it. I have found okay. it. So, uh, I have been listening to a podcast called Rating Descending recently, mm-hmm. uh, where they watch through the 250 worst um, movies as voted by IMDb users with uh, at least 10,000 reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all usually end with talking about reviews from both professional critics and uh like imdb users love um, to steal from other podcasts yeah if there is a roger ebert review they will talk about it um and so this is what prompted me to start looking at roger ebert reviews of movies that i really like Mm -hmm. and what led me to realize that roger ebert doesn't watch movies (laughs) like so often Roger Ebert will review a movie and it will 
it will feel like he has watched it exactly once and was half paying attention. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I don't know uh, what his actual review process was like. Um, and also he's dead. So uh, I guess he lost. <laughs> but um, the <laughs> my point here is that uh, Roger Ebert has said something in his review of this film that directly contradicts something that we really, really, really liked about it. Yes. Which is? Uh, Quote, As a general rule, if a movie is not about baseball or space aliens and you have to use them anyway, you should have started with a better premise. What? Two points. One, they did start with a better premise and Michael Eisner told them no. (laughs) Uh, Well, several Disney executives told them no. Two, no? That's not how that works. A movie can be, as we have said, about something and not have that be the entire plot. Mm-hmm. Like, the the plot of this movie is that Chicken Little tries to seek his father's approval through several ways, and that does not work. Mm-hmm. The theme of this movie is that children are people and should be listened to as such. Mm-hmm. The aliens and the baseball in this movie... Serve that premise. Even though the movie isn't about baseball or space aliens, strictly speaking, they matter. They're part of the story. Yeah. They're important. If you cut them, you don't have a movie anymore. Concluding paragraph. Mm-hmm. Quote, The movie did make me smile. It didn't make me laugh, and it didn't involve my emotions or the higher regions of my intellect, for that matter. It's a perfectly acceptable feature for car. It's a. It's a perfectly acceptable feature cartoon for kids up to a certain age, but it doesn't have the universal appeal of some of the best recent animation. Incorrect. Roger Ebert did not think children were people. Apparently. How <laughs> <sighs> I'm Steve. The- this concludes the fuck Roger Ebert uh, portion of of this podcast. <laughs> yes, this concludes the fuck Roger Ebert portion of this podcast, uh, and I think I think just about wraps up the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I think we talked about everything. I I wrote in my notes. You should talk to Z about how dodgeball <laughs> happened in your elementary school because i have told pe- several people this over my lifetime and all all of them have been like what the fuck why was dodgeball the way it was when the children in my elementary school wanted to play dodgeball what would happen is one child would be selected to start the game and all of the other children would line up against one wall of the gym like they were in front of a firing squad. And the child with the ball would try to would throw the ball at the line in order to hit one of us. And if you got hit, you were out. That's not dodgeball. No. That's a different game. Yes. And I remember thinking every time this happened, this is not how this game goes. But everyone around me was just acting like it was normal. That I can see that being a game that you play that is fun. There are games like this where like like uh, the version I was exposed to is that like 
as you get out, you are also a person with a ball who throws it at the kids trying to dodge. Oh, absolutely not. It's just, you just lost. It, that's... That is so much. <laughs> you can find the podcast at Okay, hey, But hey, Is It... Whoa! Hey! <laughs> hey! Hey! Uh, okay, But Is It underscore gay? Or you, Okay underscore But Is It gay? You don't even know... The Twitter handle, it's, you can find the show at but is it underscore gay. You can, stealing my job, not doing it right. Where the fuck are you on the internet? Z? I am, uh, doing various crimes. I am findable on the internet at futons in bulk, uh, on most platforms, um, I also do the tweets for Passages North. Uh, I am a reader for Alien Literary Magazine. Um, You can find Autumn, not on this episode, (laughs) but she is on Twitter at autumnal underscore season. She sure fucking is. That's honestly one of the best, like, Twitter handle to name relationships Mm -hmm. I've ever ever encountered. They're very good at making their screen name a pun on their name. It's... I love it every time. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone, and stay gay. Oh, you gotta! You forgot to thank Enoff because oh, I threw you off your motherfucker. <laughs> Our theme song is thanks to Enoff E N O F F on Instagram. Enoff music thrown off my game by being undermined and stolen from. <laughs>